Communications, communications, communications. Certainly the topic for many organizations today. Heck, many of them have whole departments devoted entirely to communications, both internal and external. But is it possible to communicate too much? Anybody who's ever been stuck at a dinner party with me knows that it's certainly possible to talk too much. But in a professional context, what does it mean to over-communicate? To discuss that with me today, I have Andrew Brown, co-founder of the Academy of Business Communications in Canada. Hello, Andrew. How are you today? I am excellent, Derek, and thank you very much for having me back. Thank you, and thank you for coming back, and thank you, everybody out there, for also coming back, unless this is your first time, in which case, welcome. As always, I remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast, Digital Signage, done right. This is Digital Signage Done Right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. So, Andrew, communication, very important. My God, I write... I don't even know how many thousands of words each and every month on this very topic, but it's possible to over-communicate. And in a corporate sense or in an organizational sense, how how can you communicate too much? When we take a look around an organization, how do we know we're actually over-communicating, right? We hear that adage. It's one that's promulgated throughout uh, communication circles. You've got to communicate 19 times to get a message through to people. So there is a desire. I mean, I, I think uh, organizations uh, often have very good intentions and they want to communicate. And so they think that more is better. That's an assumption that we often operate under. More money is better. More people is tends to be better or equated with an improvement. And so why not more communication being better? So I just want to make sure that we give our listeners a chance to understand, to get to the crux of it, why it happens and what it looks like. Again, the, the assumption that more is better. There's also an assumption that if we communicate more, we will be seen to be more transparent, right? There's a false equivalency. More communications means we're transparent and people love transparency because it gives that sense of accountability. But giving a whole bunch of information, sending stuff through lots of different communication channels isn't necessarily good, transparent, clarifying communications. So how do we know? How do we know that we're over-communicating? Well, a good way is to ask some folks, hey, do you really know what's important in this organization? Really important. Uh, Do you know what's important to the organization? Do you know what's important to your department? Do you know what is important to you and your set of responsibilities? When there is over-communication, one of the true hard and fast rules as to determine whether or not the communications is overwhelming is uh, knowing whether people understand the purpose that they are bringing. So do a quick survey. That can be informal. Walk around. Use Zoom. Ask your colleagues. Do a formal survey. Do people really know what's important to their organization, its purpose, its mission, some of that basic stuff? And if they don't know, then is that an ind- is that an indication that they're being over-communicated or under it can be both. 
that symptom can be a, wow, we haven't communicated frequently enough. It tends to be not in the right way uh, and not to be timely, relevant, using the right channels, being empathetic, being human about communicating. But we found in organizations right now that people are so swamped with communications that the volume is there that the that same symptom is more likely to be due to overcommunications. Another symptom is people don't know where to find stuff that's important to them. So it's not just, I don't know my place here and I don't know what the organization is doing, but I don't know where to find information that's important to me. I don't know how to prioritize. And related to that, and this goes very much to the feelings of people because that's very much knowledge and thinking kind of stuff. But when people aren't feeling emotionally connected and they don't trust the organization or their supervisors, often that is an outcome of too much communication. So again, those are the symptoms. I think there are lots of good intentions, but bad processes. When we think about communications, we think about the sharing of ideas, the one-sided pushing information, the publishing mentality. You talked earlier about departments of communications, right? Hey, we've got a communications department. Great. They'll be the ones that are in charge of communications, which is in part an attempt to try to bring a discipline to communications. At the same time, the double, the other uh, side of the coin is it's an abdication of responsibility. Hey, I don't have to deal with it. Let the communications department deal with it. And that's one of the mandates. When you give a bunch of passionate, bright people and you say, this is your mandate, well, they're going to chug out a lot of stuff, aren't they? Because people will point to activity as opposed to outcome. Well, especially if that's how they're they're uh, being, you know, evaluated or if that's how success is defined, you know, it's like, well, we expect you to put out this many memos a month, this many press releases a month. And you're like, that's becomes your focus. We, you know, it's one of those great uh, modern axioms that counterintuitively, it's not that we measure what, what we care about, but we care about whatever it is that we measure. I, I love that. And, and well, we run workshops all the time with organizations and help really boil down to what is it that really matters to them as far as an outcome, not an output, right? Emails, posters, podcasts, town halls, all these are outputs. And they're important means to get messages out there to demonstrate that you are listening, to demonstrate what's important. But those are outputs. And unless we actually step back and say, okay, why are we doing this again? Um, Oh, yes, we want to move these needles. And to be fair, some of those needles are very standard organizational needles, right? Uh, We want to reduce employee churn, right? We don't want people to come and go because it's expensive to bring people on board and train them up only to have them leave quickly. So that's a legitimate business goal. So let's make sure that we have communications that help people understand what they're doing and will ultimately reduce churn. There are all sorts of organizational needles and and communications need to be mapped out against those organizational outcomes. As soon as communications within departments are separated from that, and they're often divorced from business outcomes, well, then you're going to have people focusing on output all those organizational assets that people are asked to produce because I can point to it. Look at the volume of stuff. So 
uh, at the heart, one of the other reasons is that, oh, you know, we don't know what we want to look at, to measure, to point to as a success. That's very common. Uh, and we also have so many tools, right? We have email, we have Zoom, we have uh, WhatsApp, we have chat, we've got Teams, we've got all these at our disposal. And there's a sense that, you know, if we just uh, send out messages with all of them, well, then we can't miss, right? We've we've done our jobs, right? Right. It's this, the shotgun approach. The shotgun approach. Most organizations don't work in a hyper high risk, high uncertainty state. That might happen because of a COVID-19 or it might be because uh, someone's lost uh, a client or at risk of losing clients. So there are those times in every organization where there's high risk, high uncertainty. But for the most part, organizations manage their risk within a comfort level. So uh, there isn't that need to be using that kind of approach for communication. Oh, lack of skills. We hope that our communications folks are great at communicating. But we can't assume that uh, our leaders, uh, our supervisors are great at communications. If we assume that they are, and then they, that, that also breeds an assumption that they feel they are, uh, then there's no uh, built-in incentive for people to become better at communicating. And I would say that with the more sensitivity, the uh, increased diverse nature of our workforces, the fact that we span geographies, the fact that we have a number of different channels lends itself to uh, some variety, of lots of lots of nuance that uh, has to be taken into consideration. That requires skill, timing, planning, patience, wisdom. So that can that can all be developed, but it has to be deliberate. We do not become great at things by accident. We become great at things by taking time, allocating resources, making things a priority, and communication skills development has to be on the table. Now, MIT has this great quadrant for people who love quadrants. I love quadrants. It makes life seem artificially neat and tidy, right? When things fall into, into quadrants. And they've got a series of human skills that organizations and leaders need to wrap their head around. Big part of that is communications. And of course, you've got to tease that out because communication, again, if we think of communications as a talking, as a publishing, as a push type of series of skills, then you're really only doing part of the conversation as opposed to, uh, and I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, about the importance of listening. So those skills have to be delivered. So it sounds like what you're saying is over-communication could be volume. There's just too much. You're saying, I'm getting, I'm getting a memo, you know, every hour. I'm, I'm swamped with uh, internal emails in addition to the external ones. Plus, I have all these, you know, responsibilities. I've even heard of some companies like requiring you. We're measuring you and you need to be on, you know, Teams chat a certain number of hours a day. And people are just like, you know, I'm actually trying to do my job here. My job isn't just to communicate with my, my colleagues. And uh, so there's that aspect of just too much actually in volume and then also there's a, a correlative of that which is that the quality is just not good because here's the thing if you're giving people what they want if i'm really hungry and you give me a big big banquet filled with dishes all of which look appealing to me i'm probably going to have a positive reaction regardless of the volume because i'm going to go yeah i want all of that but if you give me a bunch of spam 
<laughs> literally just it's spam in 16 different forms i might go gosh that's a lot of spam and so maybe part of it is the subjective perception as to what is over communicating and is not because if you're giving the people what they want then they're happy you know i'd like to say that's the case but we found in organizations when you give people communications that are a lot and not prioritized and not given the proper context and perspective, people can not just dine out, but they can gorge themselves, to use your metaphor. When it comes to buffet, I, I always overeat. Maybe it's hardwired in, into me, but a lot of us will take a lot of information. And when it comes to organizational communications, it puts the onus on people to make sense of the communication, to prioritize, to understand the context. And more often than not, sadly, that can lead to confusion. Again, when there's that confusion, you weaken the bond between yourself and your organization, your supervisor. One of the other consequences, quite frankly, is people tune out. You know, we think people are going to take all this information and they're going to embrace it. But, you know, people end up just in one part of the salad bar, right? The familiar part of the salad bar. Right. I like baby spinach and Parmesan cheese, and that's it, buddy. That's it. That's it. I'm going. I'm going to take in the information, and you invariably, unfortunately, can create that situation where you inadvertently create rumors, right? Because people will go to information sources that they're familiar with, because all the other stuffs are unfamiliar, uncomfortable. It's not put into context, so people can again go to familiar sources. They can tune out uh, too much energy to go through all that and try to make sense of what comes on the internet and what the what the leader said what my supervisor said there's an art to being very concise what's that was it mark twain who said something along the lines that if i had an extra couple of hours i would have made that letter i wrote to you a lot shorter right it's that idea of really paring down, being very concise, being very focused on what you're trying to get across. And again, to your point earlier about measurement, we need to understand what needles we're trying to move and the path to get there. So again, I, I think organizations most of the time are very well-intentioned. They want to engage employees. They want to be sensitive and recognize that people are busy. Unfortunately, the irony is while they recognize that and they want to make things clearer, they add more to the mill. And when people are compensated for the output, they're going to continue to do that. We have uh, a, an expression we call the uh, treadmill of pointlessness. Uh, and we find that a number of our clients, whether they're communications folks or, or uh, other members of the senior executive leadership teams, where they find themselves and they're aware of it. And this is the sad part of over communicating. They feel as if they can't pull back. We've gone down this road. People have come to expect it, which again, it's a fallacy. People want the clarity. People would prefer less frequent, authentic targeted, relevant communication rather than being overwhelmed with a whole bunch of communications. And that, and that goes for not just organizational leaders, but also from supervisors, because when a, a worker for the most part right now, most of the communications come from the colleagues and their supervisors and the uh, leadership communications far less frequently, frequent, but there's 
most of the time uh, misalignment between the leaders and the supervisors. And again, uh, it's not from lack of trying. So a lot of the, the sense of being overcommunicated at or to, it is kind of subjective to a certain extent. I mean, uh, it also sounds to me like there's no one definition for what overcommunication is because it is somewhat subjective. It could be too much. It could be that I'm getting too much information that is irrelevant for me and I'm also not interested in it. You know, like, I don't know, the town hall was 45 minutes, but half of it I don't care about. So why didn't we maybe, the fact of the matter is, whether it's in person, it's a meeting, it's a chat, it's an email, it all takes time to process, to, to, to take it in, read it, listen to it, and then think about it. All of that's just taking time out of my day. You know what I mean? And so it's like, if I have too much of that stuff and I don't understand why, then I would get that sense that, wow, these guys just won't shut up. They just stop, won't stop communicating with me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is the perfect storm in organizations right now. And we're finding that what organizations largely need to do, and this is, I say organizations, but it also needs to be done at the group level, as well as at the individual one-on-one level, is to become better listeners. We can fall into that trap that communicating is not or somehow it's divorced from listening. You communicate. You and I are communicating right now. I am speaking. Therefore, I am communicating. And we forget that the other side, the listening, is such an essential part to communicating. I am orating. I am speaking. I am not communicating. I only communicate when you have heard, you've understood, you've reflected back and confirmed that you've understood. You don't have to agree with me, but that's communication is actually at least a two-way process. We've fallen into the colloquial use of communication, meaning telling somebody something. So part of over-communication comes to how we define communications. And if we start to go back and realize that communication necessitates a hearing component, a confirmation component, then we take a look at all of our organizations. If we communications, we do that through that lens. We go, holy crap, we're not really communicating at all, are we? We're doing a lot of activity, but we're not really communicating. Well, I mean, part of the part of the root uh, communicate is from Latin, and part of the root of it is communis, which is common, communal. There has to be that mutuality there, or else a lecture is not a conversation. I mean, I think we all know that. That's it, that's exactly it. And there's something that's happened in lots of organizations where uh, as soon as someone gets up in front of a, an audience, people will gather around. We're born to listen. We're born uh, curious, attentive. We're open. Uh, We want leaders, whether that's supervisors, colleagues, ourselves. We want to be able to communicate, have people embrace our ideas. So there's something that is very physiologically satisfying about initiating a communications, but not completing the loop, which to your point about that idea of community and about bringing the other person. Without that piece, we're not communicating. So uh, we can fight it. We can fight the urge. And organizations have made leaps and bounds at becoming 
better at communicating. But again, it has to be done deliberately. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a key point because I like you said, I think a lot of companies maybe they the C-suite or whoever's been around since maybe even pre-internet days, and then they're like, well, this is how we always did it, and now we just have other tools to accomplish the same thing. But the other tools actually are completely different methodologies and, and engender different mindsets and and frameworks for people to operate within. So in fact, it is a different animal and there are different ways to communicate and you might actually find that it, there are more succinct ways for you to get out what you're trying to get out. Yeah. I mean, if communication departments started with, instead of what do I have to say, if they started with the, what do we have to do to verify that people have understood and uh, not necessarily even bought into it. I mean, that's that's another layer, right? If that's one of the measures. But if people ask that question, okay, we want people to understand this, not know it, right? Because knowing something and understanding is something that's very diff- different. And some organizations may have a mandate, right? You have regulations that in order for compliance, people have to know something. Right. Like, I, like for example, since we're talking about food, I'm thinking food safety. In, you know, a cafeteria, you have to wear the gloves, you have to have your hair in a net, you have to wash your hands. Yes, exactly. There's some directive or they might say, hey, you uh, want to uh, make sure that uh, food is delivered in a clean environment. What what does that mean? Okay, so I, again, I, I know that, okay, you've told me that it needs to be done that way. Uh, but do I understand what that translates to? Oh, okay. So I, I, I pull out the hair when it falls into, into the soup. Oh, okay. That's wash my hands. When I come back from the bathroom again, there is a real gap between knowledge and understanding and organizations can, God bless them. We work with passionate organizations every single day that really want to help their employees, their colleagues and themselves understand the importance of things. And strangely enough, it turns out that there are about half a dozen things that people want uh, their colleagues to understand. And of course, it varies from organization to organization. One of them is, it's very simple. We want our organization, we want our people to know that we care about, right? So a lot of organizations have that mandate, but it gets lost. It gets lost in a, in a swamp of policies. Or it seems like lip service or something, you know, because like, well, that's what you say. And then nothing else besides that single statement, nothing else seems to say that that's the case. There, and there's that gap between saying and action, right? And actions do speak louder than words, but organizations sometimes have a tough time when policies, policies are the embodiment of values, Right. And it takes time for people to say, well, hold on for a sec. Uh, we want people to behave this way. So let's come up with a, with a policy. Oh, we got to run that policy by legal. we got to run that policy by operations. And by the time it gets into something that uh, reflects a series of behaviors or it culminates in a series of behaviors, some of the, the intentions may have been stripped out away inadvertently and create that situation to your point where it's in contradiction to we want you to become completely well informed in the market we think it's important for you to know the market and your your skill set so we have a training program for you oh it's $300 a year <laughs> so wait a sec so uh, i mean you know kudos for creating a policy that 
that helps us become better at what we do. But if you're only going to allocate $300 a year to stay up on the latest trends and techniques and tools, you're kind of sending a very different message than what you're saying that it's important for you to uh, stay current. So most skill sets develop quickly and in order to stay current and understand the players and the new technologies and the, the trends and the legislations for uh, the, the skills that keep organizations running, it takes time. Oh, and, and we want to make sure that you do that all on your own time as opposed to doing it at the organization. So again, good intentions, but when they get put into policies, sometimes some of that good intention becomes stripped away, watered down, contradicted. Uh, and organizations run on policies. I mean, the rules, their behaviors that we've coded that allow people to continue to work with one another and get our business done. Uh, communications, those values, of those things that are really important need to be aligned with the policies. And that's sometimes difficult, which is why you then bring in a communications department to try to fill in the blanks, unfortunately, when people don't realize that that is how the organization's behaving or there's an inconsistency. That's when we found a lot of communication departments arise when people are going, well, uh, our teams don't understand. Well, why is it that they don't understand? Have you spent time listening to them? Have you taken a look at your policies to see discrepancies, contradictions? No, we wanted a higher communications person. So I would also argue that it's because you didn't do a very good job of communicating it. You know, like other languages have uh, different sort of um, cultural assumptions. Like my understanding of English is very often in conversation and in, in writing, the burden of comprehension is on the communicator, not on the person receiving the communications. But I think somehow organizations sometimes, like you said, they go, well, we vomited out a whole bunch of communications through all these different channels. Figure it out. Well, that's not really very helpful. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, uh, I, unfortunately, I've sat around enough uh, executive tables for and heard uh, senior folks say, well, we told them. Why didn't they get it? They just don't get it. What's wrong with them? We've told people. And, and so it reveals in the language, the bias, that once we tell, once we, we share, once we publish, once we orate, it, the burden is on the listener. That's the assumption within organization. Right. And it's not how we communicate in our non-working life at all. No, it's, it shouldn't be, right? We would have less fruitful uh, relationships if that were the case. Although there's, there's carryover on both sides, right? People bring uh, poor communications habits to work and poor communication habits from work. So uh, unfortunately, the spheres aren't completely distinct and impermeable, right? There's that membrane that crosses over. Now, now, the good thing is that organizations can indeed do things to prevent themselves from over-communicating. So we always say, let's start with trying to bring a, a rigor, a discipline to communications. And we work diligently, very hard with passionate people who want to become better communicators. And that becomes very much starting with listening. It's not just listening to the words. And here's where it becomes very difficult. It's listening to the emotions of people. Every communication, every conversation brings with it some emotional component. It may not be emotional baggage, but people are, when you're dealing with someone, they're passionate, they're indifferent, they're afraid. They're, there is always emotion underneath a conversation. It may not be 
an intense emotion like fear. It could be boredom, but there's there's something there's we have to listen for, observe, recognize, acknowledge. Organizations can, and when they do focus on listening skills, they tend to focus on first at the high level uh, surveys. We'll survey people okay? because that's institutionalized. Then the second level that people will generally do in organizations is they'll become better active listeners one-on-one. And we do a lot of workshops on help people uh, across uh, different levels become better listeners. And the impact that has is transformational. But one area that organizations are very, very poor at, and I'd say 95% of organizations we've ever dealt with, uh, is group listening. When you are in a group, a team, or an ad hoc group, uh, or people coming together for a specific project, unique dynamics emerge. Andrew speaks loudly and everyone listens. Derek goes into a corner or he just, he spends his time on the phone. There's a dynamic that happens and it replicates, it repeats itself rather, when you are in that group. And uh, there are barriers, there are traps that happen at the group level that people fall into that prevent them from listening well within that group. So organizations can, once they have become better communications at the organizational and individual level, I would encourage them to take a look at how we, within a team, within groups, can become better listeners. And here's a simple step. The beginning of the meeting allocates someone to be what's often called a process reflector. And they can participate in the meeting, but their responsibility is to, at the end of the meeting, reflect back to the group about how people were listened to. So that was everyone's opinion solicited. Uh, When people raised uh, something that was contentious, were they shot down? Were goals clearly identified and carried through the meeting? Did we focus on symptoms or did we focus on trying to understand the root cause and did we tease way? So a process reflector takes a look at a meeting and reflects back. And the purpose of that exercise is to become better in that meeting at listening to one another. So that that takes some time. It takes some skill. It has to be deliberate. But that is a way that needs to supplement organizational listening, which again, part of communications, you can't be communicating without listening, and one-on-one listening, the active listening, the reflecting back, confirming we have understanding. So we say organizations need to become better communicators at all three levels, individual, group, and organization. All right. So you got to listen. You got to make sure. And I think the focus thing is also very important. You got to focus your communications. Don't just throw out every single thing that you think up. Think about what people need to hear. Think about who needs to hear it. Because keep in mind, like I mean, the sales team doesn't need to know, you know, by the way, hey, we're using this new accounting software. They don't care. This is, you know, it's not important for them. And then this element of listening, which I never really thought of, but of course that is part of communications. Uh, and again, if people feel like there's give and take and they're part of the process, maybe they won't feel like they're being overburdened with too much communication. What other steps can organizations take to uh, stop sort of um, uh, burdening people with that sense of being overcommunicated at? I think you hit a lot of them. I, I, I would emphasize the deliberateness, figure out what you want the outcomes to be as opposed to the output. I'd say uh, 
understand what really matters to the organization and to the individual, uh, get a sense for people's priorities. We do that through listening. Spend time building trust because once you build trust, it's a short form. It, it means you don't have to communicate a whole bunch of stuff if you end up switching gears and saying, okay, well, we want to build trust instead of trying to persuade because a lot of over-communications is that we want people to think this way. We want to win them over. We want to get them to think like us. But if we actually step back and ask ourselves the question, how do we actually build trust, then we don't have to overwhelm people with communication. We don't have to take the shotgun uh, method to communication. So we've helped a lot of organizations sort of put those foundations down into helping build trust. But that is a, again, a deliberate process. It means stopping doing things that we've done that are familiar. It means taking responsibilities. Some leaders can't just abdicate and let the communications department deal with things. We tend to think of organization and communications as very much a change exercise that goes 24-7, 365 days a year. Lots of times organizations will roll out a change initiative, right? Like we're putting in a new software, right? A new technology. Um, we're changing our work processes, we're introducing new policies so that we can be compliant. And they think of them as very time-specific changes. Now, start, have a middle, and then done and dusted, great. But the reality is, as organizational beings, we're always in a bit of a, a state of flux. Things are always moving along. New people coming on board, great. New clients uh, coming in and old clients going, great. New learnings going on, new legislation, new trends. Oh, there's always change going on. We've got to think about our communications in the context of that, that we should not be thinking about change communications as something that has I start a middle and an end. Yes, discrete projects have that, but organizations, it's a never-ending change communications process. And comms people and leaders need to think about that. And again, I go back to building trust, but it's it's deliberate and it's, uh, it means sometimes not talking. It means identifying the stakeholders, figuring out what behaviors you want, defining the tools, the channels well, that will help people understand and build an emotional connection with individuals groups and the organization as a whole. So again, no silver bullet here, folks. It takes time. It's fun. It's vibrant. It's scary. It's uh, at times boring. It is every emotion under the sun to help people overcome over communicating. But we can do it. We can do it as individuals, regardless of where you are in an organization. You can play a role in this. That's the nice thing. Even if the company itself is a bit too rigid, you can certainly uh, locally make things uh, a little better for yourself and people around you. Exactly. We all have it within our purview, but it does take deliberate time, planning, keeping that eye on the ball again, what, what noodles we want to move and being realistic. I mean, if I'm a, in an organization at a fairly junior level for the first three months, how much influence am I going to have? There's organizational wisdom that comes to play in every company and you need to be uh, savvy 
to that. So identifying some of the some of the people that have got that knowledge, that wisdom, know how things work. And if you want to shake things up, you need to bring them on board. A topic for another discussion on how to leverage influencers within organizations so as to help move important needles. So contrary to what I originally thought before we started talking, uh, overcommunication is not only throwing out too many communications, but it's also about how the people are receiving it. And if they don't have a connection to what you're communicating, they don't have a connection to the overall mission and, and everything else that uh, makes the organization what it is. And if things just get a little too rigid, everything is always in this bucket and nothing ever changes, all of these can contribute to this concept and this feeling of being over-communicated with, you know, we all have that idea of, oh my God, they just won't shut up. Well, it's not necessarily that they need to shut up. It's just that when they speak, they need to do it deliberately. And, uh, and they also need to listen because listening is a part of communications. Conversation went places I really did not expect, Mr. Brown. And hopefully we didn't over-communicate on this topic. Yeah, that's right. I'll, uh, I'll edit this down to a workable uh, length. Yeah, right. Uh, I'd like to thank Mr. Andrew Brown, co-founder of the Academy of Business Communications in Toronto, for talking to me today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you as a guest here on Digital Signage Done Right, sir. Thanks for talking. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you very much for having me as a guest. And if uh, people want to reach out to me, by all means, do so uh, at uh, Andrew at FixMyComs.com or Andrew B. at uh, Academy of Business Communications. By all means, uh, reach out. Love to hear uh, from your loyal listeners, Derek. And always a pleasure being a guest and having a lively discussion with you, Derek. Uh, don't forget to check the transcript on the Visix website. Go to Visix slash resources slash podcast and you'll find a link to the Academy of Business Communications, as well as Mr. Brown's uh, contact information, and much, much more. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Digital Signage Done Right. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media.